Welcome. You're listening to Season 2 of But Seriously, What is Engineering? A podcast series from the University of Queensland where we explore all corners of engineering. We'll be covering a range of specialisations and exciting engineering careers through our special guests with an aim to open your eyes to just one more part of the wide world of engineering by the time this episode is finished. Spoiler alert, it's not just about bridges and buildings. This episode is hosted by two of the University of Queensland's Women in Engineering student leaders. My name is Asandi Kalagulagay and I'm in my third year of studying a Bachelor of Engineering, majoring in Electrical and minoring in Data Science. And my name is Laura Musgrave. I'm in my second year of a Bachelor of Engineering with an Integrated Masters of Engineering, specialising in Mechatronics. We are so excited to introduce another incredible engineer to you all today, Kate Thomas. Kate is yet another incredible young engineer that has accomplished so much in her career as a biomedical engineer working across a number of fields. After graduating from university, Kate worked at Field Orthopaedics, a groundbreaking Brisbane startup that is changing the world of orthopaedic implants, and then moved on to a role with Resap Health, a company that has created tech that can diagnose respiratory disease effectively without need for in-person clinicians. So at present, Kate is a quality engineer at Vaxis, a med tech company developing a novel needle-free vaccine delivery system. Kate is also Deputy Chair of the Queensland College of Biomedical Engineers and is actively involved in STEM careers education for school-aged children. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. Kate comes to us with glowing recommendations from multiple people, so we're so excited to have her on the podcast. But before we talk about your awesome career so far, I think we'll take it right back to the high school days so we can discuss how you decided to study engineering in the first place. Unlike a lot of my peers, I don't have a very um, holistic reason for studying engineering. I would say that sort of around that year 10 period, it was the standard, oh, you're pretty good at maths and science, you know, you should, you should do engineering. Uh, at the time, that was sort of in the early 2000s, that was, oh, you'll earn a lot of money, you know, mining engineering was taking off. And then my brother was also going off to work in the mines as a diesel fitter. So I had this excellent idea that if I became a mining engineer, I would be his boss. Um, and that definitely was a big motivator for me. So I would say sibling rivalry was a big part of why I chose engineering in the end. Can relate to that. So much is the same of most of our female engineering students. You had a passion for finding a career where you could help others. So can you tell us a little bit about how you made this a reality over your career? I would say that it's probably just in the places that I've ended up working. So while I, you know, I joke about sibling rivalry, I, I you know, on my QTAC form, I had engineering as my top two. My next four were all health related fields. So mm. pharmacy, podiatry, you know, like I, I was very interested in speech path and um, occupational therapy. So I just really wanted to help people and I've been very fortunate that the companies I work for are obviously focused, patient focused. I would say that I have been selective about where I've gone uh, to make sure that I'm sort of on the ground and that I, I personally feel that I have a really tangible impact on quality of life for people. Uh, so yeah, probably just very selective about um, where I've ended up working. And I think a lot of people who are listening are probably really interested to hear how the medical and engineering fields can really come together. What was it like working at Field Orthopaedics? So what did this company do? So Field Orthopaedics is a Brisbane-based startup. 
so they were working in design and development of orthopedic implants, which in Brisbane is actually a really hard thing to come by, is a company doing R&D. They were working on fracture fixation devices for the hand and wrist. While I was there, we worked on the, I believe, the smallest orthopedic screw um, at the time in the world. So it was a tiny cannulated screw, which means that you could fix a fracture with a K-wire, which is a standard practice. And then because this was cannulated and had uh, the hole through the middle, you could thread the screw directly over the K-wire, a cannulated tool, and you could just uh, insert the screw straight over the top so you didn't have to remove the K-wire. So this was an improvement on surgical technique, and we were hoping improvement on the actual fixation itself. So that was a pretty cool thing to work on as a first project straight out of uni. Very cool. Uh, and we were investigating it, just general fracture fixation for upper limb at the time that I was there. During COVID, we pivoted <laughs> to looking at uh, PPE. So I then was working on a face shield. The Queensland government was helping partner design companies with manufacturers, local manufacturers, to help us shore up our supply chain here. Uh, and that's what I was doing uh, for a couple of months when COVID first started. So you then moved on to ResApp, which was a very different situation from field orthopaedics. Could you explain a little bit about what ResApp is and what you did there? Pretty strange moving across from orthopaedic devices to uh, software as a medical device. So it was a bit of a leap even for me. Uh, the reason I moved across there was an opportunity came up as a senior quality engineer. So it's probably not what uh, you would traditionally associate with quality engineering, but it was a bit of a jack of all trades. And I was working on um, maintaining design history files or technical files, which is your sort of compiled narrative about how you designed a device and you've submitted to uh, regulatory bodies. So a lot of the work we do is obviously heavily regulated uh, because it's medical devices. Yeah, so my work there was on post-market changes. So this device was already approved in the EU, so it had a CE mark. Anytime we made changes to the app, we were assessing the risk of any changes uh, and how that would impact the performance. So that was what I was doing and I loved that because I got really wide exposure to uh, a lot of areas across the software life cycle, which is something I hadn't actually encountered before. And I'm sure a lot of people would probably be like, what is that? <laughs> but they themselves uh, were founded out of UQ research, actually. So that was from a researcher here, Udanta Abaratni, and he's an electrical engineer, but had involvement with, I'm pretty sure, the school of like sleep and respiratory physicians and really diverse range of experience and he applied that to machine learning on uh, cough sounds to help diagnose respiratory illness. So that was how this app was started uh, and then they commercialized that. So it's a pretty groovy idea, the concept of having a smartphone application and it's all done under the supervision of a clinician but you enter some really basic patient information like age and if they've got any um, underlying health concerns and then you use five cough sounds and that can return a result within seconds that helps indicate whether or not someone's got a respiratory illness. So it's just, it's a diagnostic tool and it's a pretty remarkable technology. And most recently they've actually managed to crack 
uh, unique signature on COVID coughs. So I'm not sure if you saw that in the news, but uh, that was really, really exciting for them and um, very cool for me. And I'm very proud and very excited to see what they've done there. And I never would have thought that like machine learning could be used in like that field. Um, So super cool to see that happening. Yeah, machine learning is actually very prominent now in in medical engineering and we're going through a really interesting regulatory landscape where regulators actually don't know how to handle machine learning because if you're saying that it's a continuous learning you can't uh, verify or validate the effectiveness of that in maybe diagnosing illness so we are currently experiencing a really Uh, dynamic landscape and working, we've got a very unique opportunity to work with regulators to actually help define what that landscape looks like. So it's a very cool time to be in software and it's a very cool time to be working in machine learning and medical devices. I think a lot of at least first years that I've spoken to are very into like the medical base of engineering. Um, I feel like the health side of the engineering really like attracts them to study it. So yeah, that's really cool that you mentioned all that. And it's cool because you don't have to be a medical engineer to work in medical devices. We need people from everywhere. So we're very cross discipline. I work with mechatronics. I work with electrical engineers, mechanical engineers. So it's a really diverse field. So I would highly recommend for anyone who's interested. So we've heard a little bit about ResUp Health and it sounds super interesting. We're also fascinated to hear about your current role. So what do you do in this role as a quality engineer at Vaxis? Again, this was a pretty strange circumstance that I ended up in this role. I knew about Vaxis for a long time. So while I was at uni, I heard about Vaxis, which was this elusive startup that had again been spun out of uh, UQ and was commercialising a needle-free vaccine delivery system. And I was like, that's cool. I want to do that. And I think it was probably 2015 or 16. And I went along to a conference they were holding and they were talking about this, this novel printing and drying technology of this vaccine. And I was like, okay, (laughs) that's incredible. And I went up to them and I was like, oh, you know, do you need interns? Do you need... I just, I got ghosted. Um, Classic. <laughs> that's devastating. Yeah. We've so, all been there. You know, so I kept that in the back of my mind. And they, you know, have been plugging along and getting bigger and bigger. One of my biomedical engineering colleagues, uh, Talia, is currently with Faxis and has been for two years. And she just reached out to me randomly on LinkedIn and she said, Kate, look, a role's come up for a quality engineer. You are the only person who I know who has the title of a quality engineer. Would you be interested? I went over to them the start of this year, actually, so I've been there probably four months now. What they have managed to achieve in the time that they have is, I just can't wrap my head around it. They're developing novel technology and have brought it to a point of being able to, you know, talk about scale up manufacture, which in the world of medical devices is not something that happens quickly uh, because we are so tightly regulated. We've got a a pharma side, I guess the science side, so formulation and analytical, and they reformulate uh, existing vaccines. So we're not a a vaccine manufacturer. So we reformulate vaccines to be compatible with our printer system to print onto high density microarray patches. They have thousands of teeny tiny uh, little polymer projections couple of hundred microns tall, I believe. Basically, we've designed an applicator or delivery system that uh, you can deploy. So you click the back of it and it fires or deploys the map onto the skin. 
and you hold that onto the skin for, let's say, 30 seconds, and that will deliver the vaccine. So there is a lot of clinical work that has been done, years and years of work to prove the efficacy of this technology, and they've achieved that. So now it's talking about different vaccines and, and what we can do and how far can we push this technology. But yeah, basically the idea is you don't need an IM needle anymore. You don't need this dirty big <laughs> needle coming up to your little kid. You know, we're talking about this tiny thing that you can hold in your hand and uh, deliver a vaccine to kids and hopefully target low middle income countries, which is something that really resonated with me. Uh, and a lot of the people I work with, very, I guess, philanthropic in nature. And that environment when you're around people like that is just so motivating. Every day you feel good being where you are and doing what you're doing. So I've been incredibly lucky and very fortunate. That's really, really nice to hear, Kate, because I think the humanitarian side of engineering is something really special. And I feel like a lot of high school students and like engineering students resonate with that a lot. So it's really good you brought that up. That's really wholesome to hear. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to give back and a lot of opportunities for us to be part of a global community. And it doesn't have to be as close-minded as you think. So there's lots of opportunities out there. And just to clarify for our listeners, you've worked at three startups in the space of four years, which is insane. You've had such an amazing career so far. But what have you liked about working in startups? <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> uh, startup life is hard. And I'm lucky that I'm not a founder. I mean, it's so fast-paced. It's so challenging. And you're a jack of all trades. Like there is never a dull day at a startup. And I love that. And as much as I talk about the stress and as much as sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, that day was rough. I come back and I'm re-energized and I'm ready to go. So, and usually the people you work with are highly motivated and very good at what they do. So you learn a lot uh, and you learn it quickly. Going off a different topic now, you're also the deputy chair of the Queensland College of Biomedical Engineers, which is just incredible. Would you recommend students or graduates to get involved or put their hands up for these kind of roles too? Again, very fortunate that I've had sort of mentors and, and guidance from more senior medical engineers that have sort of led me to these, these roles. And I would highly recommend them because I just find that it's a really nice way to sort of immerse yourself in your professional community early, which is arguably one of the most important things you'll do in your career. And I can't yeah, emphasize enough how important that's been for me in finding the opportunities that I've had. And it started for me by running the Student Society for Medical Engineers at QUT. I, you know, working with the previous president of that society was how I uh, came across the, the Biomed Society with EA and yeah, just did like a treasury role and then a secretary and uh, vice chair and then moved up to chair. So we have student members on, on that chapter and we love having their input and having them be part of our committee is very cool. So I would definitely recommend looking into it. I feel like we've always been told since first year, like networking is everything mm -hmm. um, in engineering and other fields. And when I heard that for the first time, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But <laughs> sure. I definitely realized like it is. Mm. My career progression is a testament to networking. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> would and, recommend. And not just like looking for a job, just looking for advice and like inspiration from people Absolutely. as well. Which I think follows on nicely to our next question, which is, um, who do you admire in the industry of engineering at the moment? 
I'm surrounded by people I admire. I think I'm very, again, I, I cannot tell you how lucky I am to work with driven people. It makes me passionate about what I do. Um, and working with uh, a lot of really fierce women, I think, has been very cool for me. And, and just showing me that you can be really, really good at technical aspects of your role, but things that are seen as sort of traditionally female attributes are actually a massive value add for us as engineers. Like a lot of us tend to be very compassionate, uh, very human focused, very personable. And for me, that's worked perfectly in my career. So I would say that, yeah, all the people I've worked with have shown me that those things can be used to my advantage. And, and women like Felicity Fury, who's just a total rock star. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen her and she's worked in these really technical roles and then has gone on to these more professional development um, and just really shown this really diverse career opportunities. I just think that's remarkable. Mm, such a good point. Like the skills that women can bring to the table are so valuable in teams. Absolutely. In, in teams Diversity is strength, right? Yes, exactly. And like, I think there are a lot of things in engineering that are seen to be like soft skills, like communication and things like that. But in reality, they're so integral to they're just human skills. Yeah, they're just human <laughs> skills, really. <laughs> Which uh, is my whole job, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's everything. I love that you brought that up because I feel like at uni, it's very technical, but then in the real workforce, you have to, like, work in teams, work with clients, work with Every suppliers. Day. Every all day. All the time. <laughs> it's, it's maybe even more important than the technical stuff that we learn in some senses. I think it depends on your role for sure. Like there's absolutely a a place for highly technical, highly skilled engineers, but we do need engineers in the workforce who can communicate with ease and um, who are very people focused as well. That's really important. And for our last question, do you have any advice for high school students that are considering engineering? The most important thing is find something you're passionate about. Work isn't work when you love what you do. And I fully appreciate that you know, not every day is easy and you'll have months of, you know, hard slog and I, yeah, appreciate that I've probably got some rose-coloured glasses on at the moment, but finding things that you're passionate about and that you actually enjoy doing and then finding a career that sort of supports that, I just, I think that's the way to go and take your time. I mean, I had a really sort of messed up journey to yeah, end Yeah, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I, so... Like I said, you know, a bit of sibling rivalry, a bit of um, healthcare focus. And I was quite confused when I got to uni. So I took a year off, a gap year, uh, went and worked, traveled, lived a little bit. And I got to uni and I started civil and enviro engineering because I didn't really know what else to do, if I'm totally honest with you. Because mining engineering wasn't offered at QUT. So I was like, let's go the other way. Let's do some environmental. And I sort of got halfway through second year and I hated it. I just... I wasn't motivated, I was failing subjects, I was really unhappy. And a sort of last ditch review of the disciplines offered at my uni, I found medical engineering. And I went and had a meeting with the, with the guy who runs the department, Devakra Pari, and that conversation changed the trajectory of my life. <laughs> like wow. I, I don't think I really appreciated that at the time. We had this conversation and he was telling me about the work he did in his PhD on femoral implants and I just was like, you're, you're telling me as an engineer, I can do that. I can do medical device stuff? Like what? I just was so excited and it just like lit a fire within me. And I ended up taking time off. I took a whole year off to sort of reset, look after my mental health, get back on track. 
And I came back to uni, I just did three subjects a semester, which I found a really nice balance for me that I could keep a job, I could socialize and I could keep the challenge of uni. And so I took longer to finish, you know, like all my friends were out in the workforce and had worked two years full time. They're on a bit of cash money. I'm still like a poor uni student, but I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, just that the extra couple of years to do that in, at my own pace and walk out as I hope, you know, a pretty well-rounded person and engineer, I just would recommend doing this, do this your own way. It doesn't have to be linear and God, the amount of people who were at uni with me who'd worked in other careers and come back to engineering, it doesn't matter if this isn't the first thing you find, you know, like you have a way of working your way towards stuff that's right for you. And I think just take your time. There's no rush. You don't have to be perfect. You don't need perfect grades. You just got to like what you do, I think. And the rest just, it just falls into place. I think that's such an important point because I myself have definitely felt the pressure to have a very linear education experience and like do your four years and then go into the workforce and everything. But prioritizing mental health is like should be first and foremost. And because like you said, like engineering is a very difficult degree. Mm, and so if you need sure. to take the time off, then that's what you need to do, I guess. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. And I think it's something that should be said like a lot more as well. Like you don't need to be straight to success straight away. <laughs> Um, there are obviously other parts of your life going on as well. So. Oh, uni's fun. Like, you yeah. know, and, and, and working towards your career, four years. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, failing a subject, getting a four, it means nothing. Like, at the end of the day, I have a job that I love and I failed subjects, you know? Like, st you know, stuff happens. You're here in a podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'm on a podcast, guys. I've made it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't. I can't emphasize that enough. We just, we get there in our own time and yeah, just love what you do. It just makes life so much easier. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kate. I had such a good time talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Such an inspiring person. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. And I'm um, yeah, really glad to see you guys doing stuff like this. It makes me very excited for the future. <laughs> we love it. Don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast to stay up to date with our current episodes as they are released for season two. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.